to the Art of Relationships podcast with Dr. Tim Mielhoff and Dr. Chris Grace. <laughs> we are here again. Uh, thanks for tuning in and listening. We have an opportunity uh, every time we do this podcast to just talk about relationships and the art of relationships. And it is really fun, Tim, just to spend some time hanging out, visiting about these topics and issues. And one that's come up, and I think we want to talk about today, is the issue of technology oh, and of technology's course. impact on relationships. Yeah. So let's tackle that one. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, you know, there's some stats and some data out there, and, and I, I, we should probably make it clear up front that you and I both agree that technology has an amazing yeah, way of impacting yeah. relationships in a positive way. This, is, this isn't this is going to be a, a bashing against technology. It's not technology. It's the use of technology that we want to really talk about today. Yeah, because we're not going back. I mean, I, I think we realize that. We're not going back to where we get rid of technology. But I bet you our <laughs> listeners are broken up into two different groups. Mm-hmm. One group is what they call technological immigrants. Mm -hmm. That would be probably us who Mm -hmm. can remember when we didn't have the internet, when we didn't have all this social media. But then there's also what they call technological natives. And those are our listeners, millennials, you know, 20-somethings. This has always been part of their DNA. So we're not looking to pick a fight with technology. We think it's of a great use, but with anything that has great potential, there are some harms and there's some good suggestions on how to make it work for you rather than against you. Yeah. And the numbers are just staggering when it Mm -hmm. comes to impact and use. Um, so let's just start with some of those numbers real sure. quickly and then respond to this. It's fascinating. They talked about the gadgets that change the world. Um, for example, the telephone changed the world, yeah. right? And it was a list on the top 100 things that changed the world. Telephone's number seven. Um, the light bulb was number 10. The personal ah. computer was number five. TV was number three. And the wow. number one uh, gadget that changed the world was the smartphone. So really? that's an amazing, yeah. that was put together by popular mechanics who've yeah. been tracking these things for a long time. They find smartphones now sit in uh, close to almost 70% of American adult pockets. That is wow. 70% were going to have one. And then four out of every five phones purchased today in the United States is going to be a smartphone. Here is what it's used for. And Tim, tell me if you can add any to this. It has now replaced everything that uh, used to be a gadget that was separate. So here, people, I've, we asked students last week, what do they use it for? And here's what they use it for. Well, a camera, uh, right? Sure. And so digital cameras have yeah. now faded and are dropping in sales because, right? So they use it for a camera. They use it for an alarm. They use it for a clock. They use it for a music player. That's right. The iPod, by the way, is no longer now in in production simply because of why. Well, (laughs) they they don't need it. It's now used for other things, a Bible, right? Uh, To launch missiles. To launch (laughs) missiles, to have a news source. Number one, I heard you talking earlier today just about a GPS. That's uh, right. And it's used that way, right? To track calories, to track, you know, steps, health, to buy stuff. It's boarding passes. People are now carrying. So one guy did this. He said he collectively added up all of the individual devices that were now being replaced. So they say, today we've replaced the phone, the MP3 player, the point-and-shoot digital camera, the GPS, the alarm clock, the flashlight, right? The handheld (laughs) gaming system, the guitar (laughs) tuner, the voice recorder, the dictionary, infrared remote, and web conferencing device. And so he said, each of those together weighed more than eight pounds and were worth over $1,200 if you buy each of those that now in your smartphone exists. So 
it's like it, a Swiss Army knife. It's like it really. You know is. what I mean? A technological yeah. Swiss Army knife. Hey, you know what else it's done? It has completely changed horror movies. Now, every single horror movie, you are about to call the police. You're about to get help and low battery. <laughs> that has changed all horror movies. <laughs> Well, Chris, that's amazing, though. Is, that's the, amazing. The numbers are, are are shocking. And here's, I think, the ultimate question that we need to ask. Um, oh, when we talk about it's the impact of this kind of technology then in society, on culture, um, we really focus in, and we're going to narrow in, of course, on relationships. Sure. And so just to repeat, it's not the technology that's really the, the moral or the immoral, right. the good or the bad. It's the use of the technology. So Tim, as we talk about this, one of the things that we have to do is find some cool things that are out there on its impact. So go ahead. What do you think? So so technology, as we use it, it uses us. Yeah. And again, this has been, people have observed this forever. There's a guy named Marshall McLuhan. He's a media scholar. Yeah. And he broke up all of human history into different epochs. Uh -huh. The very first epoch was the oral epoch, right? We told each other stories face-to-face. -face. Think of the New Testament. That was uh, Jesus speaking in parables, speaking, uh, giving the Sermon on the Mount so that people could remember it. Mm -hmm. Then, it, 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 I won't bore you with every epoch, but then he moves okay, into good, the... Uh, <laughs> but there will be a <laughs> test later. There, there are a lot of listeners that just tuned out, yeah, by the I'm way. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> but there's the electronic epoch, which again, now we don't need to be face-to-face. -face. There's no geographical boundaries. But, but he notices yeah. how these things really did change. You know, Frederick Nietzsche once used to write out all of his stuff by hand. Yeah. And he simply went to a typewriter. And he said that the use of the typewriter changed yeah. not only his effectiveness and how quickly he could write, but it changed how he thought. Yeah. And he thought in a much quicker way. And we're just talking, you know, a typewriter that some of our listeners are probably thinking, typewriter, that's exactly a typewriter. So we, again, we're not anti-technology, but yeah. we also want to be wise that this is fundamentally changing our interactions, our brave waves as we do this. It is. And we're going to talk about the brain and technology because I've kind of been interested in that a little bit as yeah. a psychologist. In you know, Time Magazine in 2012, it did a survey of users in all these different countries and it asked them, how has the smartphone changed their lives? The most common response is that it brought them in closer contact with friends and family and helped them become better informed. So that's amazing. That's so great. almost always they agreed, 75% in, in all these countries agreed that this constant connection was mostly positive. You know, I was part of this group. This just happened uh, a while ago. It was a group of people and they brought in two communication scholars and they brought in some other people and we were talking about friendships. Mm -hmm. And so we're sitting at this table. And by the way, I'm being Skyped in. Mm -hmm. I'm not even there. They're in North Carolina. I'm back in California. Mm -hmm. And one of the comm scholars, I won't mention any names, took a really hard negative view of relationships uh, uh, mediated impact. through yeah. technology. Right. And I just said to him, I said, listen, I'm being literally Skyped in to this meeting. And a, a one guy piped up and said, you know, I have a, I have a 15-year friendship that is completely mediated through FaceTime. Right. And so I love, yeah. Chris, and again, we can talk later about the fact that I don't have a smartphone. That'll be an interesting thing to talk about. Yeah. But I text my kids all the time. Um, I do think that technology can really foster some great virtual communities and it can foster some really deep friendships and geographical distance means nothing now. Mm -hmm. We are in the electronic age that uh, McLuhan talked about. We are. And I think as that happens and as it grows, one of the things that we want to do is stay on top of 
some of these subtle impacts, some of the more well-known. Um, so we could start, you know, the just the idea of the number of people who have this obsessive need to remain connected, yeah. right? Yeah. So there, 60% of users do not go an entire hour without checking their phone. They cannot do it, right? And so on that, more than half, they check their phone while in bed. Oh, and, my and so goodness. right that, that idea before going to sleep, upon waking – um, and by the way, if you take about talk about numbers, if you lower that to the ages eighteen to thirty four, they are that number is around seventy four percent are checking it throughout the night at, at different times in the morning and as they wake up. And Amazing. all we know about sleep stuff, right, Chris? Yeah. How, how much you break the sleep pattern? <clears throat> yeah, right. It's it's <clears throat> crazy. But listen, that, I think that's also a positive. There's sometimes yep. I'm laying in bed with Noreen and I'll just text her. <laughs> And I'll just say, hey, in the mood, question mark, emoji, you know, kinda, and I don't even know what an emoji is because I don't have a smartphone. Yeah. But, but what you're bringing up, Chris, needs to be talked about, right? It, yeah. The, the fact that we always have to have the cell phone with us yeah. and um, that it, it's hard for us to be alone with each other. Let me, let me mention an interesting study. So this one study was done by researchers, social psychologists at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. And this is what they did. Chris, this blows my mind. They took individuals and they said, we're going to put you in a room for 15 minutes and you're just going to be alone with your thoughts. I mean, I think most of us would say, awesome, mm. be great to just get some time to catch my breath mm. and to think about things. But people didn't like it. Mm -hmm. So they gave them the option that if you want to, you could actually shock yourself with a mild shock <laughs> just to interrupt the boredom, just to interrupt <laughs> the fact that your thoughts, you being alone with your thoughts was not a positive thing. This is what blows my mind, Chris. 67% of the men and 25% of the women chose to inflict on themselves a mild shock at least once during this 15-minute period. That's so one research one researcher said this. I thought this was interesting. I find it quite surprising and a bit disheartening that people seem to be so uncomfortable when left to their own devices that they can be so bored that even being shocked seemed more entertaining. <laughs> now that's the negative side, right, Chris? Yeah, it's when I is. don't have this technological lifeline and I'm just alone with my thoughts that I can't even go 15 minutes without wanting to interrupt that with... Uh, an electric shock if that's all that's available to me. Yeah, you you can just imagine uh, what that means then for relationships and the way we yeah. navigate those, right? If somebody is making me bored or I'm not being uh, you know entertained at the moment or something distracts me, well, in essence, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tune out of a relationship that would normally yeah. be something yeah. you sit with, you hang with, you just kind of – you can enjoy the silence together. And, you know, we're losing that Whoa. ability yeah. to be silent together, whereas, you know, just things can come up and different ideas and notions that strike us, but instead we're filling that time, right? Well, and Noreen and I noticed we got into a really bad habit. We, we often will sit with our laptops out. TV on, yeah. so some might yeah. be watching TV, yeah. some might be talking, yeah. but the whole time Noreen and I are checking emails and flipping through things. Yep. So we have noticed, Chris, that when we do put everything away, turn off the TV, make a cup of coffee, that we sit there, there's that really um, uncomfortable beginning point. Yeah. And here's what I find that's negative for me, Chris. So when I'm online, I am zipping through things, yeah. right? I'm checking the Detroit Free Press. I'm yeah. checking the Detroit News, CNN, um, M Live. I'm checking uh, Fox Sports. I'm checking, of course, my emails. And it's moving at light speed. Yeah. I'm not even necessarily reading every article. Who, yeah. who has the time to do that? Yeah. 
So then when I stop and it's me and Noreen having FaceTime, well, she, of course, moves at a much slower speed than my ability to zip all over the internet. So I find myself just getting a little bit impatient. Like, hey, let's get to the point of the story, kind of, which is horrible in communication and in marriage. Uh, but but that so I find myself technologically becoming very impatient with face to face slow wandering human act interaction. Yeah, Tim, go now you're starting to get into what this uh, wor- where worrisome uh, data is coming out and to light, right? I mean here here's the problem, and 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 tell me if you feel like this is it. There is a known psychological phenomenon with the brain that when we find somebody that we feel trustworthy, that we connect with, um, there, there is something interesting and powerful. In the field of attachment, this idea of oxytocin is just mm. this kind of a, a – almost like it gets released during times in our brains when we're connecting with other people that we like, right? And, and it's this – it's a bonding agent, right? It's almost like mothers and children, fathers and children and caregivers respond and react with higher levels of oxytocin when in contact with somebody that – like a child, and the child does the same. Yeah. Well, it's that same spike in oxytocin that that, that – that push when we are dealing in social media in connecting with other people. In huh. other words, we still like during social networking to have this this almost connection and attachment because that's what the brain is designed to do. Yeah. So there's this spike. In fact, one one researcher found a 13% spike in oxytocin during times of which social networking it just triggers that release, right? So we like that spike. We like what that feels. And oh, that, I see. Yeah, that yeah, addictive yeah. feeling is, I like this. So now you're going through, you're looking at these websites, you're looking at this email, you're looking at this, you hear somebody from, and now it's like, this is awesome. I like this. I'm connecting. I'm with people. It's fast. And we seek more of it. And so now that becomes this addictive need to have more. Why would people care about checking it at night before they wake up? Because they like the way it makes them feel. It's a drug. It's a drug. And then now, all of a sudden, you're now face-to-face with somebody (laughs) personally. It's great, but it's not as fast. It's not as addictive. Why are you going through so quickly trying to get to these sites and trying to get to email and trying to get to this update and trying to get to a status update and trying to read what somebody else did? It's because it provides for us this surge, this feeling of I like, I'm attached, I'm connected. By the way, it's the same thing that makes us feel, it's that generosity and trust feeling. So all of that to say, you just have to wonder what is the impact? And so guess what couples have reported, Tim? They have said, they did this really cool study, by the way, by Pew. Pew in 2014 said couples, it was called the couples, uh, the internet and social media. Smartphone attachment, they said, what you were describing can actually create romantic friction when one person feels ignored in oh, wow. favor of what is on their partner screen. So you, so, oh, so they begin to feel it. And so 25% of married couples in this Pew research that were married or partner respondents said that their spouses or significant others' phone use was distracting. Now, if they were ages 18 to 29... More than 40% reported feeling ignored. Wow. So what is it? Why? It's because, Timmy, I think you were describing, I like the feeling of what's going on here. I'm zoned into this. I'm getting this kind of feedback and almost 
great feel, emotional feel that I don't always get when I turn. So let me ask you a quick question. And then I have a study I think really fits well with what you just said. But so Chris, couldn't there be a positive thing like, oh, yeah. like this? So last uh, two weeks ago, I was traveling. I had a layover uh, and I'm sitting with Noreen and she couldn't talk, but we were texting. Uh-huh. We actually were texting for like 20 minutes. Uh-huh. Couldn't that be a positive though? Because yeah. is is oxytocin being delivered during the texting? Oh yeah. What oh. any any what, what this study found it's that it's just networking, yeah. connecting with people. And so I that's mean, a, that could be that, a really that's good, a good thing. thing. There's, there's nothing negative or wrong with that. Good. Okay. That's yeah, good. Yeah. And I think the difference is is when it's when the other person, when we're in the same room or we're oh, connected, yeah. is now seeking something more and isn't getting it, and is actually feeling what we call you can call it fun. Right, snubbed by phone. Right, the fubbing is this word that is going out. What is around. it? It's well, yeah, fubbing. Being, yeah, fubbing. You, you feel snubbed by the use of a phone that someone else is using, and so that word's come. And here's an amazing thing about that, Chris. There's a study from researchers, University of Southern Maine, who did this. They took groups and they had them do this task. Right now, their phone. They weren't allowed to use the phone during the task, mm-hmm. but they wanted to see how much does the phone psychologically distract you. So there was a group of individuals, they had their phone on the table, but uh, they weren't allowed to look at it. So they are now doing this task, and they later reported the mere presence of yeah. the cell phone on the table. And by the way, some of them, the cell phone was off, yeah. but the mere presence of it totally distracted them. Yeah. So. Going back to what you said, you mentioned a person who had the cell phone in the pocket. Right. right. The mere presence of that cell phone is distracting yeah. me yeah. because I'm thinking about what turning it on. I'm thinking about what's happening and I'm missing out on everything. Mm-hmm. Right. So the the presence of that technology can yeah. be really distracting. Yeah, Tim. I think you know that it goes back to some older research that would the presence of certain th- items in a room influence people subtly. Um, and as a social psychologist, I love the studies where. Back, you know, 30, 40 years ago, some of the early studies showed that the mere presence of a weapon, like, for example, a gun, actually caused people to feel slightly more aggressive. And so these studies were done that they were looking at people, their responses, how they might, you know, be aggressive towards somebody or even shock somebody, and just simply putting the mere presence of a weapon in the room. Now, some of these studies, you know, have gone on and they, they, you know, looked at some problems with that. But it is interesting that we have so So much. You know, for Christmas... My wife and my kids got me an authentic samurai sword. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's in our living room. <laughs> so it's sitting there. Well, you know, it is just funny how we are influenced by the, these things yeah. and how they draw yeah. us. And I think that, you know, the, the problem, maybe not problem, but the issue with phones like that, Tim, it's not just not only the presence, but there's something both visual, but there's also something auditory. That is, oh, we hear the beat, oh, we hear the yeah, shake, we we sense it and feel it. And so all of those things are now, you know, responding to that. You and know, Chris, I have I have an uncontrollable response to that. So it really ticks me off when I'm talking to a person and I hear that ting go off. And I know I lose that person just yeah. for a second. I get yeah, mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually get upset. Yeah. You know, t- Tim, let's, th- that's an interesting moment. What we do, I believe, at that mm. point is something very important. And 
children, all of us are designed with this amazing capacity to read the emotions and, and to read each yeah. other. So you and I do this podcast. We sit here and we look at each other. We talk, we visit. You know, we're not sitting in two opposite rooms. We're interacting, right? And it's designed for us to read each other's emotions. So in any relationship, that's what we're doing, right? We're, we're reading, sensing, processing. What we get, that moment when a, a, there's a slight distraction and you yeah. felt like you've lost the person yeah. is because what they've done is they're ability to pay attention to you, which used to be now what you thought was around 100%, never really was because we you know, have thoughts going on, but it now has been decreased and we see it. We sense it. Their eyes might glance away. Oh, absolutely. Right? And somebody glances away. <clears throat> or they check their phone. Even or they, if they check don't. It. Yep. And here's what bugs me the most about that, Chris, is so I'm literally getting bumped, right? I'm getting bumped by anything. Yeah. This could be it, yep. this could be uh, AT&T you have so much data left. This could be <laughs> hey there's new chocolate pretzels yep. that so I get bumped by anything momentarily and I take that personally. Yep. Now that's kind of I think because I'm a technological native, yeah. right? I'm not uh, an immigrant. immigrant yeah. So I, it bothers me and, but the other person is like, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean any disrespect by yeah. that. So it is interesting that I do tend to interpret that as being disrespectful. Oh, uh, well, here, <laughs> it's even worse than this, Tim, I think, as far as disrespect. I believe this, some researchers are, are saying that children, the increasing amounts of depression and anxiety that we're finding among children have, have been on the increase. You know why? Because of that very thing. And here's what it means. There is probably a greater lack of connectedness, right? Right. And that is because of people's attention. How do I communicate to you that we are connected? How do I communicate to anybody else that they're of value to me? And that I pay attention. And so being attentive versus distracted is creating more and more of an impact, right? We become more human when we connect with each other, but we become less human when we ignore each other. And so there is some speculation that the increased amounts that we're finding in children is about a lack of connectedness, a wow. decrease in close wow. connections, wow. Um, simply because when people are then being distracted, not paying attention, it communicates. It's transferring either like or dislike. And what kids are interpreting, your lack of attention, Tim, what you're doing when someone doesn't pay attention to you or looks at that phone yeah. or tries yeah. to get that status update is, you know what they're saying? I don't like you. Or by it's not as direct <laughs> as that. What they're saying is, this is more important than you right now. But they wouldn't say that. No. If I were to confront them, they would yeah. say, no, come on, you're reading. We had a family get-together yeah. happen. I think that's and, right. And these are people you don't normally see, right? And they're, we're all together in a room. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to name names, but one person in the room, I, I see them. They're looking at their phone watching yeah. something. Yeah. So during the, during the break, uh, there was a break, I went up and sat next to him. Yeah. And I said, hey, show me. What is more important on your phone yeah. than people you haven't seen in like six, seven, eight months? Yeah. And Chris, it was two monkeys <laughs> scratching each other. Seriously, I, I kid you not. Two monkeys scratching each other. And I said, so that is more important than people that you haven't seen? Why couldn't you get... And by the way, I said to him, you need to know what kind of message you're sending to the adults in the room. Because again, mm -hmm. that's the immigrant native mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Is the adults look at that and they say, you're just bored and you don't want to be here. Yep. To which this child, I think, would have said, that is just not true. But it's going back to what you're saying. I need that little hit of what? Oxytocin. Yeah, that's exactly right. Man. And here is, I, I, 
Tim, I think you're getting at something that really happens that's very, very important, and it goes like this. And 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 I believe we find this in a lot of cases um, in that situation, and, and it's this. I believe what happens is uh, one researcher uh, has done some studies looking at the way that we transfer like and dislike to other people. And so huh. a whole field of research says it's done by nonverbals. And so what you're saying yeah. is that this – what we was known as this implicit transfer of affection. Hmm. An implicit transfer of affection means it's not explicit, it's implicit. And that affection means I like you or I don't like you. And that that's what's happening. Every conversation we have with somebody, we can communicate to them like or dislike. How? How do you communicate like at an implicit level? Well, you pay attention to them. You listen to them. You engage with them. You smile when, when you're supposed to. You're in synchrony. But how do you communicate dislike? I, I'm, I'm watching myself when this is more important. Uh, and implicitly, yeah. you're transforming. I don't like you. And I believe what couples need to really start to grab hold of, or just people in general, roommates, friends, parents to children, is an imp- that understanding that implicit transfer. Okay, but answer this question for me. Yeah. Here's where I think, and I've gotten hit with this. This is what people have said to me. I think you have now a disagreement between immigrants and natives. Yeah. And this is how it happens. I'm having a conversation with you. You hear your phone go off. You break eye contact and you actually take a look at it. Yeah. Okay. I interpret that as an immigrant as a disrespect. Yeah. I've had people say to me, millennials... Well, that's not my fault that you interpreted that disrespect. No disrespect was given, and I am absolutely listening to you. I'm absolutely paying attention to you. How do we resolve that? Well, man, I think it's such a good question. Let's do this. Let's do another podcast on that very right, notion. Because this one, this has got to be technology one. We'll have technology 2.0 just to stay yeah. in line with everything. Let's do this. Let's continue this podcast. Because I think that is a central question. It yeah. comes down to how do we understand each other and this divide that's only going to get bigger. Yeah, only, yeah, that's right. Well. Man, great stuff. Let's keep going. I would uh, like to have gone, but my phone went off saying we were done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got an email. What did you? Can you repeat that again? Because I'm really not listening. I'm paying attention. Somehow. Hey, let's do this. Um, you go to our uh, listeners if you're interested. We have a lot of material on our website. We have events. We have other tools. We have things, um, you know, like blogs and classes and things like that. So go to cmr.biola.edu and check out uh, all of the resources that are available there. Some other podcasts as well. And um, we'll continue this conversation. What do you think? Yeah, this is important. This isn't going anywhere. It's not. That's right. All right. So, hey, thank you so much for joining in and listening to us. And uh, we'll talk to you next time.